Magnificent morning, folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for heroic, empowering, and resilient. And this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you may be facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they use their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you. Because you are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. Once again, it is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Today is the final episode focusing on the HBCU Experience Movement, the North Carolina A&T State University Second Edition. Now, if it's your first time joining us, the HBCU Experience Movement LLC is a collection of stories from alumni throughout the world, shaping how their university has molded them into the people that they are today. And this movement is also giving back financially to invest in various HBCUs throughout the country. In fact, it was founded by North Carolina A&T State University alumni. So we are definitely going to show some Aggie pride within this episode. I am a partner, not only because I'm an HBCU graduate, but also I believe in the power of storytelling and sharing the positive narrative that should be associated with attending an HBCU. As an HBCU graduate, there is great pride in attending our institutions. We are not just the student body and faculty, but we are family. There is honor, tradition, legacy, and prestige within attending historically black colleges and universities. Today, I have with me Jocelyn Alexander, of North Carolina A&T State University with a Bachelor's of Science in Electrical Engineering and currently resides in the Washington, D.C. area at Joycelyn. I think I mispronounced it the first time. Or um, Welcome to hey, the Jocelyn, show, no Jocelyn. But welcome no, to the no show. Worries. Thank you. I appreciate it. It took everything in me to shout back Aggie Pride when you said it. <laughs> But yeah, super excited to have you. Um, you know, I've been doing a, a lot of episodes, again, just focused on the HBCU experience movement as we've been traveling to different HBCUs. I'm excited that in, you know, a couple of months, we'll, we will launch so uh, Southern University, which is my alma mater. But it, it's been very interesting just hearing the background, the stories of so many different alumni throughout the country. And um. I just, you know, I'm excited just to get into your story. Uh, as I stated, you know, with my podcast, the focus is always to explore the story and the journeys of various women, particularly women, black women, women of color, and just share a light to relatable issues and being able to share resources and building a strong network of women of color throughout the country. So as I was reading your bio, 
it, um, you know, after you received your bachelor's in electrical engineering, you did move to the Washington, D.C. area for a government contracting job. And um, it seems that, you know, you were able to create your own seat and stand in your own and within your position. And especially as you have grown and built your career throughout these years. So how have you been able to create your own space and hold your work, especially as a black woman within the industry? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, it's not the easiest thing to do at times, uh, but I had to learn quickly that my career was under my control um, and no one else's, and that's the way I was going to manage it. Um, I, you have to look at yourself, even when you are working for a corporation, you kind of start to look at your career as your own business. Definitely. Um, that you, you know, so that you're setting your worth and that you're setting your value and defining that space for yourself. And so that's kind of what I looked at it as. You know, I took myself as a, as a business kind of and um, worked hard, um, showed up, and, uh, you know, went above and beyond to, to get what I needed done. Um, and I also wasn't afraid to ask for what I wanted. So if there were opportunities that I saw that other people were getting, um, so for instance, with the first company that I came out of college with, when I so one correction that I want to make is I was a 2005 graduate of A and C, not 2015. I'm a little bit older than that. <laughs> and you know what? So, I, I, um, I meant to read 2005, but I, I am struggling this uh-huh. evening, so y'all bear with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, you're yeah, doing great. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. So when I came out, um, I had already gotten a job with Lockheed. Um, I want to say I got the, you know, I went through the interviewing at the beginning of that senior, like second semester senior year, and um, was hired, I think, in February or something like that. So I started, let's see, I think my graduation date was like May 13th, I think. Um, And I started at Lockheed in the D.C. area, like June 5th or something like that. So it was about three weeks, and I was, you know, I was already starting. Um, and they had opportunities. So I had done well, kind of worked a year and a half in that entry-level position, started interviewing for a next level, and saw opportunities they had. For instance, Lockheed had their own in-house Lean Six Sigma curriculum and uh, to get your green belt, and I asked. You know, that's not what other people around me were doing. But I, I asked, what, is, what would it take for me to get to go to this training? That kind of mm-hmm. And they had no reason to say no, so they did. You know, I, I got to go, and I'm probably one of the um, younger ones in my role that got to go. Um, and then I took and ran with that because I knew now that I now have a green belt on my resume. And at the time, Lean Six Sigma was hot. It was a, you know, kind of key term that the industry was looking at. So I was able to take that and run. Um, and so it's, it's little things like that, like finding ways to take control of your career, your career um, not being afraid to ask for something you want when you want it, especially if you know that it's going to enhance your career and thereby uh, benefit the company as well. So that's kind of the way I look at that. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's very important that you said, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Often when we are in um, different industries and as women and 
particularly as black women, um, there is some form of like intimidation when we step into the room, you know, and we may even be timid in terms of asking questions and uh, being inquisitive of different programs and different certifications and things that we can actually acquire to help us leverage our career. I know for me personally, um, about two years ago, it was very difficult for me finding my space within um, racial justice and social justice movement and organizing. Um, right now, currently, I'm a, a program director for the Power Coalition and Equity and Justice. So we're the 501c3 Civic Engagement Table. So I do a lot of policy and advocacy work and grassroots organizing and all of the things trying to uplift and amplify uh, the voices within black and brown communities and educating our folks and um, advocating for various campaigns, statewide campaigns that um, will focus mm-hmm. on voting rights and voter turnout and all of that. Now, as, um, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, as the years progress, I'm definitely more comfortable. I stand in my own. I walk into a room. I'm not shy when it comes to asking questions about different programs and classes and even different fellowships that I can add and uh, put on my resume. But there was a time in a place where I was afraid to ask questions. There was a time when I felt as though I was inferior to other folks that were in the room, especially in, in, um, uh, in an environment that is often saturated by men, overly saturated mm-hmm. by men. Yep. But, um, you know, as you said, there there's nothing wrong with wanting to learn more, to gain more knowledge, and to taking the necessary tools and resources that are needed to help you leverage and build your career. And, you know, right. with that being said, um, I'm also aware that, you know, you, you're a business consultant and a program manager and even uh, the owner of your own business that, you know, we'll get into later on, but how are you able to create a healthy work-life balance, you know, uh, with so much going on? And how did you even discover your passion within these various roles? That's another great question. So the work-life balancing is still something that I'm adjusting to and adapting to. Um, I got married May... 2018, um, and we awesome. got pregnant right away. Congratulations. So my daughter was born, uh, thank you. My daughter was born February of 2019, so I'm a new wife, new mother, and grown hips. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was, um, I'm blessed enough to be in a current position on the contract where I did not have to be in the office, and our um, clients, you know, want to remain remotely for the time being. So I've been able to keep her home. So it is tough to find that balance because there's the line between, you know, my work life and my home life is now blended. I couldn't even say blurred is about is what I was going to say, but it's not even blurred. It's, it's blended. Right. So throughout the day, you know, I may have a meeting, get some work done, then have to go make lunch for my daughter and maybe, maybe grab something for myself as well. Um, I have to find time during the day to read books to her. I have to find time during, during the day to to, um, to give her a hug because that's what she wants from mommy. Even though she's mommy with a laptop, she's you know she's an eighteen month old, so that doesn't really connect with her. So uh, that work life balance, I can't say that I have it all figured out, um, 
but we just take it day by day. And um, what I found to be the most beneficial is in that is really for me being honest with my coworkers and my clients. Um, if that means that, hey guys, I'm having a tough day. I'm going to be offline for the afternoon, um, but I'll be back online later to catch up on anything that I missed. And so be it. And that's what I that's what I do. And that was very very scary for me when I first did it because um, you know I'm I'm supposed to be this strong businesswoman who you know gets things done is you know ahead of the game proactive with things um, and here I am saying that something is kind of taking its toll on me so that was that was tough for me. Once I did it, once I saw the support, and I realized how blessed I am to be able to, to um, have that flexibility and to have that support system around me. Um, and let me make sure that I state that my husband is also a very great uh, support system as well. You know, we, we have to switch off sometimes where I'm like, hey, so just Tuesday, I had a meeting where I had to capture all of the um, action items and some of those uh, meeting notes. So I could not have my daughter pulling at me as I was listening to the, the meeting. Um, so my husband was able to take her, and I was able to go into a quiet space and really focus on what I needed to do. So we, we worked through things like that. Um, and so, I, But I recognize, like I said, that I'm, I'm blessed to be in, on a project that allows me that flexibility. I'm blessed to have a partner who um, supports me in that way. Um, yeah, and then the rest is just being... Allowing myself to be a little bit, little bit more vulnerable than I would normally be with work. Right, and and that's a definitely um, a learning process. Even with myself, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, um, I lost my grandfather last week, and um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It, it's okay, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, but it, you know, last week, um, like it. it Actually, it occurred last week, Wednesday. It was difficult within the next couple of days because I initially had found myself like trying to be busy to keep my mind going and not yeah. really like focused on the reality. But this week, yeah. um, my, well, my family, I'm currently in New Orleans. But my family is in Napoleonville. It's a small rural town about an hour away. And so um, I spent like the past four days with my mom and dad and just close family and friends, which was definitely needed during that time. Um, And Mm -hmm. the thing is, like, um, you know, like I said, I'm from the country. And so like the Wi-Fi and the the at home Internet connection was horrible. Right. So it like it put me in a space where I found myself constantly looking at my phone trying to check emails and follow up on certain things or even pull out my laptop and in all honesty I could not even really connect to the internet but it made me realize too that in times like it's okay to just step back and take that needed break when it's necessary right we live in a day and age where we constantly think that you know, sleep is for, for the rich and you have to keep going 24-7. And it's like, right. it's so much that's going on right now. People's family members are constantly either ill or um, different folks, you know, they're, are, are passing away. You know, the, the entire country is kind of in a financial crisis. Folks are unemployed. Yeah. And so definitely during this COVID-19 
um, period, it's definitely helped me to realize that the work is always going to be there to really just be present within the moment and to just be appreciative of those who see you working, who see you are trying, are there to support you. So um, I I definitely can relate, you know, although I am, I'm single, I don't have a husband, but I can definitely understand when it comes to having those moments where support is needed, support is needed. And you having to realize that, hey, you know what, it's okay. I, I have to take a few moments, I have to take a couple of hours but I will I'll be back but I just need this time for myself and you know really thank you for sharing that because you are invested in so much so it means a lot to just hear from a woman and again you know a black woman just sharing that and just being vulnerable about the the realities um so again oh yeah it's funny too we were I had a conversation with some girlfriends earlier this week and I really love that your acronym, that that R, is resilient. Right. I, I love that. Um, and we were talking about how, I was talking about how there's so much pressure, you know, that narrative that's been put out about black women having to be strong, mm-hmm. and that narrative that's also um, often perpetuated um, by our own community. Right. Um, and it was just, resiliency is the is a much better word to look at it. Like, you know, because a lot of times we're strong because we feel like we have to be strong. Mm-hmm. But it's more like being resilient to get through things. Because um, that word still allows you to be that, that kind of opposite vulnerable. Right. Um, so I, I like that. I was, I was thinking about that when you, um, when you mentioned that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it, it's important just to make it, the, this platform just something that's relatable that everyone ta- can connect to in in hopes of also realizing that you know things aren't perfect 24 7 so you just have to keep going keep right. pushing and that there's light at the end of the tunnel um so mm-hmm. again uh, I appreciate that and as we're talking about different experiences and things of that nature, um, you know, let's move into the HBCU experience. So what experiences at North Carolina A&T really helped you prepare for your career and professional life? Yeah, so I've, I've told people before that I don't know that I can necessarily pinpoint one thing. Um, but one of the things that I... Uh, talk about my contribution to the book is how just walking into a space at the collegiate level, because I know that there are a lot of people who come from high schools and things like that that were predominantly black, but I'm now looking at the collegiate level. I'm looking at an engineering program um, that is uh, not the easiest to get into. You know, AMT is a, a very, very rigorous engineering program, and um they accept the top notch. You, not everybody who goes in gets into the engineering program. So being in that space with top students from around the country um, who have some of the same goals and similar goals as you um, and similar ambitions as well, just, it, it gave me some confidence. It gave me confidence to walk into the spaces that I walk into now. I know that that may not seem, I don't know if that seems, um, kind of uh, intuitive, but for me, it would be looking around and seeing other people just like me that let me know you can do it. Definitely. So I always say that there's no boardroom that I walk into 
where I feel less than. Right. Um, there's no space that I walk into where I feel like I'm having to make up for, um, uh, you know, some deficiency. I, I don't find that. Right. I, I recognize my values, I see my values, and I bring it into every space that I go into. So I, I, that was a big one for me. I think that was one of the biggest things for me is, is a level of confidence. Definitely. I, I will say that as well. You know, the HBCU experience for all, as um, I've been having these d- different conversations, it doesn't really matter what HBCU graduated from. It really helped mm-hmm. lay the foundation for one, um, to the, di- the diversity among black students you know often people try to give you this you know this false rhetoric like okay you know um this in hbcu attending an hbcu it's it's unrealistic everywhere you go isn't black no everyone you go may not everywhere you um go or reside or your work environment it may not be predominantly black but within these four months and four years excuse me you are able to see how different students can interact although we may have the same skin tone but we come from different areas throughout the country we have you know a a different culture within our culture based on what area of the country you were born and raised in so it's a a great experience within your within itself so it definitely um you know lays the foundation and I, I can definitely say, you know, in, in HBCU, it, it will give you that confidence that you need when you when you walk into a room or when you walk into uh, different spaces, even just knowing that you are an alumni from that prestigious university or institu- institution in the legacy and tradition that is, is pretty much that you carry with you throughout the years from being able to graduate from that from the school. Um, so like what, what advice would you give a young lady? And I'm asking specifically a young lady again, because the, her story podcast audience is, um, primarily women and, you know, young women often tune in who are interested. And I think it's just so important again, like for us to be able to share these stories about our HBCU experience movement. So what advice would you uh, give a young lady who may be interested or, you know, maybe on the fence, not sure what, what school they should be going to. So, uh, you know, everyone's uh, experience and goals are different. So, you know, primarily you should be looking at schools that um, are doing well or excelling in your area of interest. But that list should include at least one HBCU. Right. If not more. Um, Don't overlook us. Don't discount us. The experience is um, unlike anything else. Love that's, it. that's truly the way I feel about it. Um, and, you know, so I like I have a cousin I was talking about this with that um, she's such a smart young lady. Um, and she went to, she ended up going to Penn State. A&P was on her list at one time. I really did my best. So she ended up going to Penn State and she loved her time there. Um, but she had to kind of create the experience that she wanted. Whereas at an A&P, it was there for her to foster. Right. More so, so I mean, it gave her the experience of what, like, she'll now have the experience of those things that she created at Penn State. Um, 
But the support system that would have been there, she would have, I, you know, there would have been additional things I think that she would have, she would have grown for. So I just say, don't overlook us. Don't count us out. Um, include HBCUs on your list. Um, uh, we specialize in a number of things. Um, you know, I am very proud of A&T's um, in College of Engineering, of course, but I'm also proud of business school. Um, not only are they top-notch programs, but they're also recruited very heavily. So if you're looking to come out in the workforce in those areas, then, you know, these are, that's the universities that we look at. And other HBCUs offer those same things in other areas. So just don't overlook us. Definitely, definitely. And so when you say it, you know, don't overlook us, that definitely stuck stuck out to me. Just because of the reason, again, you know, a lot of times HBCUs, we get a bad rep for what reason? I honestly mm-hmm. don't know because I personally really enjoyed my experience and Southern University exactly. gave me my voice. I was able to mm-hmm. um, participate in so many different activities, right? You know, uh, I was the initiative of the Beta Side chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I ran for Miss Freshman. I was Miss Freshman 2008, 2009. I was an SGA. Uh, I, at Southern, I found my love for the community and organizing. Like these are all tools and skill sets that help mold and grow me into the career woman that I am today and, and it ignited my actual right. passion. Um and then like you said, that real experience, like, you know, there's the band, there's the dolls, you know, there's the football team, basketball, you know, um most HBCUs they have this one uh rival, you know, the the rivalry game. So, you know, for Southern it's it's JSU and then it's the Bayou Classic. It's so many different things that have and hold so much truth and tradition to look back at and you know like you said don't don't uh count us out and um Mm -hmm. so you know I also like to ask just different quotes you know life quotes uh when you say don't count us out I was like okay I have to write that down because I like the way that sound (laughs) I really do you know don't (laughs) overlook us don't count us out um but you know um when we were talking about just advice and just different experiences and, um, and advice of attending an HBCU, what, what's really real though is, you know, a lot of times when folks are trying to build or even learn who they are and finding themselves in the workplace and workspace and trying different business ventures and things like that, things don't always work out as they thought it, it may, or, there's often sometimes like a, you know, just a, a bump in the road. So like what, what yeah. advice would you give to folks who find difficulty within finding their passion and building their career? And if you could just put that into a quote, if there's a, a certain quote that helps you get through certain situations when you do overcome uh, particular barriers, what would that be? Yeah, so I think that well, I, you know, I, I don't have anything like who said them, but the quotes that I would kind of lean to are um, never be never be afraid of a no and never be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, both are necessary for growth and success. Love it. And um, I think I've, I've used those throughout my career. And, and whatever, you know, decision that I made also, you know, in becoming an entrepreneur as well. It's, those were those were things I had to rely on. So with the never being afraid of a no, 
it's that same thing that we kind of talked about earlier with ask for what you want. Because at a minimum, the times where I've asked for what I wanted in corporate America, where the answer wasn't what I wanted or was as favorable, um, it still put me on that manager, that supervisor, or whatever's radar, or somebody who wanted more. So if nothing else, I could walk out of there with what their expectations were to be in order for me to get a yes. Um, and if there's if it's something I can control, um, I'm going to do it. If it's your budget and your budget isn't changing, then you know, meaning like if it's if it's the corporation's budget and their budget isn't changing, maybe you can't. Um, but maybe they can help you find other resources within their company to um, reach your goal that you had thought about. So you never know what information you're going to get, um, even beyond the no. Not every answer has to be favorable. And this is with the not being afraid to fail, um, you know, especially being an entrepreneur, not everything's going to go right. right. Not everything's going to um, be the way you want it. Um, not every customer um, is going to either appreciate you or like your business. And there's sometimes where you may fail the customer, um, and depending on, you know, the kind of business structure that you're in. But um, those are lessons learned. Those are times where you can take those failures and say, okay, never again. So, um, yeah, never be afraid of a no and never be afraid to fail for these kind of quotes that I lean on. Right. And, you know, sometimes the answer being no or failures, they definitely um, help bring clarity around certain situations as in things not always working out. They often may build you as an individual. They can prepare you for something else and prepare you just take it as lessons learned to help, um, you know, create something more profound within your business. So definitely a no or a failure isn't and it shouldn't always be viewed as something negative like you said you know right it's there to really just to shape you and prepare you and to even make you better so um yeah two short yet very deep quotes that people should hold on to throughout um you know whatever stages or phases within their life but um so i i do have one final question for you and you know with you being a, a government um contractor and again you know we talked about you focus on um your consultant uh consultant agency and program management and all of these great things you are also have your own um business called stamps travel and uh again jocelyn i'm not sure how you do it but you do it you know um so many great things that you have going on so if you could just give a little information of exact exactly what stamp travel is and if folks are interested in collaborating with you in your business how can they connect with you sure um stamp travel is an experience focused travel agency i say that because we work to um design a travel experience that's based on your needs, your wants, and um, to create that full experience for you. So it's everything from uh, transportation to accommodation to adventure experiences. Um, you know, if, if you're on a romantic trip, creating those special moments um, for you and your significant other. If this is a, um, a girl's trip, adding in things like those um, 
the catamarans and, and things like that for a sunset cruise and things like that. So we really look to create the whole experience. Um, and that really just comes from how I like to travel. So that was a blessing of how FAMP developed was I was already traveling myself and um, creating these group trips for me and my friends. And I was researching and finding um, the places that we want, you know, we would go visit and things to do while we were there. Um, and I wanted an opportunity to continue funding my own travel, you know, maybe make some additional money off of it. And also maybe, you know, get that additional tax write off and things like that um, for something that I was going to be doing anyway. Right. And if, if in the process, I can help somebody, you know, get that feeling that I get when I travel and go to somewhere new, then that's awesome. And that's what I've been able to do. Um, Stamp started in 2013, so um, we've been going strong for that amount of time. Uh, I did take, take some time off um, when my daughter was born. I think that's healthy, and I think that's necessary. Definitely. Um, and, of course, COVID has slowed things down, um, but it's given me some time to really kind of refocus what I want to do with the, the company and to um, look at kind of some rebranding maybe and really researching to find those safe areas for my clients to travel now. And people are looking forward to 2021. Oh, yes. I'm not going to see much travel in 2020, but, man, are they looking forward to 2021. <laughs> yes, I, I am people, okay? I'm definitely looking forward <laughs> to 2021. Um, just even a, a simple, a very simple trip, just, a, you know, a quick trip. Yep. It, it's, the, again, the, the small things that we took for granted. You know, uh, COVID-19 mm-hmm. is just, um, it really helped you focus on the small things that you really enjoy, that you can't necessarily do at this time. So how can people connect with you? Are you on Instagram or is there an email or a company um, address or number that folks can reach out to you by? Sure. So I am on um, Instagram. It's stamps, S-T-A-M-P-D, travel. Uh, so at stamps, travel, um, no E in stamps. Um, and... Uh, that's on Instagram, um, and that's a really good place because I, I try to post as many tips and new industry updates. Like, for instance, um, I, I posted recently about the um, decision that United made to do away with change fees. Um, that was huge for the industry, so no $200 change fee, and um, American and Delta followed suit. This is something that um, uh, Southwest was already doing, so, you know, if I'm getting this news early and I'm able to share it with you, then if nothing else, follow the page for that. Um, but you can feel free to reach me on there. Uh, in addition to that, I can, um, I'm very accessible over email. The easiest one to remember is info, I-N-S-O, at stamptravel.com. Um, and I check my email regularly, so I respond um, usually within 24 hours. Okay, awesome. Cool. And, you know, myself personally, I will definitely be reaching out to you in 2021 so I can get my travel on, okay, because it's needed and it's necessary, um, even just for, yeah, you know, a, a mental break, just to have some fun. So, um, 
you know, I really did. I enjoyed your story from the beginning to the absolute end. You gave real valuable insight and lessons, even from the quotes and your own experiences and being able to find that work-life balance. So thank you again for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate your time. Definitely, definitely. So audience, you know, if you're if you are, are listening in closing, always remember that your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share your story. You are a victor, a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles don't last always. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her heroic, empowering, and resilient. And if you are uplifted, encouraged, or motivated in any way, please follow Her Story Podcast on Instagram at herstory underscore podcast and tune in and listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud every Wednesday. Again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story and we're out. 